Hello and welcome to Conversations with Mark Becker, a podcast produced by Georgia State University. And you can find this episode and all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. In this and future podcasts, I sit down with leaders who are shaping the future of higher education in America and beyond. We dive into the challenges and opportunities facing higher education and explore policies and practices that show promise of a brighter future. Hope that you will find these conversations stimulating and thought-provoking. And if you do, please subscribe so that you will not miss future episodes. Again, I'm your host, Georgia State President Mark Becker, and today my guest is Cole Clark. Cole is the Managing Director of the Higher Education Group at Deloitte. Cole, welcome. Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate you uh, having me on today. Well, it's, it's great to have you on. We've, we've known each other for a number of years, um, and you've worked in a few different roles um, since we first met. Uh, but now you're at Deloitte. And you know, Deloitte, many people know, is a big consulting company, has a large practice area. Uh, but the higher education practice, where, how does Deloitte touch higher education? What, what are the practice areas that you cover? Well, the interesting uh, bit of history around this is that uh, Deloitte's actually done work in higher ed for over 90 years years. In fact, uh, did you start it? (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I, I've only been around for, uh, about four of those 90, um, having been, uh, with a few other, at a few other places, uh, in my, in my career. But, uh, our first, uh, our first job was, was as the auditor of Princeton university. That's where we started, but it has been a relatively recent, uh, area of focus for the firm in terms of, 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 uh, dedicating a, a sector, uh, to you know, in, in higher ed, to uh, at the firm, it, it's it's been um, uh, about five years ago now that we formalized that uh, uh, higher ed sector within 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 the firm. Even though, again, we've done uh, work across many you know, different auditing, domains. accounting type work for you know for yes. ninety years. Uh, and I think that that has has been the uh, for those that that don't know us all that well, that's sort of the the mo. Um, uh, because our roots as a, as a, as a firm are as an audit and, and tax firm. And so that's what most people assume we do. And in fact, we are the external auditor for uh, a handful of institutions around the country. But that's really not the focus of the practice. Um, what we uh, strive to, to, to be is a broad end-to-end consultancy across pretty much every aspect of the academic enterprise with the exception of those things that touch pedagogy and teaching and learning. Right. Um, so everything about making uh, the, the academy more effective, more efficient, um, you know, being, being more, um, uh, doing a better job at, uh, at retaining, attracting, retaining, and completing students, mm-hmm. um, making the uh, administrative side of the house a lot more uh, efficient and effective, uh, and using technology as an enabler across sort of all those domains not looking at technology as an end in and of itself, which I think is too often the case in higher ed. The shiny object is not the, not the end, but really using those tools uh, in an effective way. And that generally means being good at helping institutions change and mm-hmm. think about uh, culture and, and the changes needed in the culture in order for those uh, modern technological tools to be of any, of any value. And that's, of course, you know, when I first met you, you were with Oracle, so there's that technology connection. You don't come out of the audit and accounting background. No, no, I, I don't even pretend to be an auditor <laughs> on TV. <laughs> uh, and no, if you looked at my, you know, if anyone uh, were to look at my resume, they would assume that I'm uh, a technologist. You know, I started my career in the 80s with Apple Computer. Um, there was, you know, a big emphasis on education 
uh, Steve Jobs was very focused on education and that was attractive to me. My father uh, is a college professor most of my young life. He became a chief information officer in higher ed later on, but I think that influence has is, is weighed heavily on me as well. Uh, but from Apple, I went to Sun, from Sun to Oracle. So looking at those, you know, that part of my career, you'd think that I, I come with that sort of headset of, well, technology solves all problems. Right. Um, but I really have been, uh, particularly in higher education, and education generally, um, f fixated on this notion that you have to you have to be willing to change as an organization your your processes, your workflows, your policies, your your culture in order for any sort of modern technology to have uh, any great effect. And and that really under underpins everything we do at Deloitte. It is all about change mm -hmm. and using these tools as as change levers, as change enablers. So universities come to Deloitte, you know, um, looking for help. Um, what are some of the if you will, practice areas where you're getting requests. Is, are they, are, are universities coming in specifically looking for help with technology or with change or within functional areas, say HR, research administration, um, you know, financial aid administration? What, what are the what are the themes you're getting out of the uh, clients that are coming to Deloitte? Well, I think you would agree with me that, um, that higher education institutions. Uh, move in packs. They adopt things <laughs> in groups. Um, and this... We, we, we have fads <laughs> and trends just like any other sector. Uh, and, and so this notion of, uh, on the technological side, moving to the cloud seems to have mm -hmm. everyone uh, enamored and fixated with, you know, what is, I've got to be, I've got to be in the cloud. I've got to be moving. Do they know what that means and, and when I, they ask And it? most of, unfortunately, I think there's a, a lot of misunderstanding around what that, what mm -hmm. that really means. Um, it's it's uh, what 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 I think its ultimate impact is uh, it's forcing a conversation about adopting best practice, leading practice, and standardization in areas that really aren't all that differentiating to higher education. How we pay people in higher ed, how we manage our charts of accounts, how we uh, you know manage uh, our benefit systems. Mm -hmm. I mean they. They're important things that you can't get wrong. And if you get those things wrong, you end up with some very dissatisfied right. constituents. Um, but it's not necessary for us all to do that, you know, 95 right. different ways. So I think the notion of cloud, which is all about running systems, uh, a single code line that's written for everybody, not, you know, something that's customized uh, institution by institution, uh, has finally gotten, uh, has been a lever to get institutions to think about how can we do things um, in a more standard way that aren't that differentiating? Right. Certainly here in the state of Georgia and the university system of Georgia, certain operations have been, if you will, centralized back office on, at, at a remote site, um, many in the, you know, the benefits and HR area. Are you seeing a similar trend in other states and other systems around the country? Oh, most definitely. Um, I think there's been unfortunately less traction uh, in doing things at a system level than I, I would like to have seen. I think the, the Georgia system has been a bit of an exemplar there. Um, but the, 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 the experience here uh, is an indication of just how hard it is to get these things done because it's very difficult to get a collection of institutions that are very different geographically, demographically, to come together on a common way of doing things. The natural reaction is 
that I'm, I'm going to lose something in that process. We're unique. You know, yeah, right. Georgia State, we are definitely unique. <laughs> I'm going to lose something and I'm going to be a loser in this process. And I think that's going back to the point I made earlier about the criticality of ch organizational change management and getting that part right. Effective communication, effective governance, leadership, being a, a constant uh, communicator of what the future state's going to look like and why that's going to be better for me as a faculty member or as, a, as an administrator or as a student. Well, I, know, I know at Deloitte you draw on a, a lot of assets, meaning people from different areas. It's yeah. not as if there's this one group of people that do education and they don't look at anything else and that's right. people over there. So in, in your experience working with these groups that are working with higher education institutions, are there... Have there been examples where they've said in, in higher ed they seem to get it better than we typically see or they don't get it as well as what we typically see? Or is higher education not that much differentiated from any of the other clients that Deloitte has? Uh, I think there has been um, uh, a noticeable uh, slowness to adopt leading practice in some areas that other industries have, are far ahead on. Um, but there's an economic uh, uh, impetus behind mm -hmm. some of that that it doesn't. It's a different mission in, in higher education, and so well, we certainly don't work from a, uh, a PNL, right? Like many businesses. Uh, but I, I also think that you know you, you, you can find areas where there's been um, uh, you know there's been achievement in higher education that that outstrips uh, you know some some other areas, and I think that uh, some other sectors. And the one that that comes to mind you know immediately for me. Uh, is the um, synergies that, that that exist between the, the the disparate functional areas within the within the academy? You know, getting getting HR, getting finance, uh, facilities, auxiliaries, IT uh, to come together and and work together towards a common goal. Um, it's uh, you know, higher ed's got its fiefdoms and its silos, just like any other um, any other sector. But you'd be surprised at just how calcified those have become in in many commercial enterprises too. Yeah, I sort of wonder, you know, just uh, whether it's the fact that higher ed is mission based as opposed to profit based. Yes. And, and if you can present the, the the business case, if you will, for the change that's being made as as being central to the mission in some way, shape, or form, it may be easier to get buy-in and participation, collaboration. Than, it, than where you've got separate business lines that are almost, in a sense, competing for who's going to be the highest performers. I think that's true, especially if you are blessed, as, as you have been here at Georgia State, with some consistency and constancy in leadership. I think one of the things that is bedeviling higher ed right now is the, is the rapid turnover in leadership yeah. roles and the constant uh, 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 the, the per persistent notion, I should say, that we have to go outside of our own institution to find the next mm -hmm. leader. We don't do enough leadership development within our own organizations right. to get those individuals ready for the next uh, level, that somehow bringing somebody in from the outside is going to you know, solve the problem that the predecessor wasn't able to fix. And, and then when you have that change, a lot of the uh, momentum that you may have had in certain areas, I think, uh, is set back or even lost. Um, but I want to go back to a point you made sure. earlier about the sort of bringing in uh, leading practice from other other parts of, of our of our world sure. into higher ed. I think that's something that's often overlooked. It's easy for um, uh, higher education institutions to look at the fact that most other sectors are profit based, not mission based, and then immediately saying, "Well, that that way of doing things is not for us for that reason." Well, that's the wrong leap. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that is very common, and I think. 
what, what you, you asked earlier about so what are some of the tenets or, or uh, guiding principles behind our practice at Deloitte, it's that we can bring some of the expertise that we have uh, derived from many, many other sectors um, and, uh, and, and bring that to higher education, but it has to be done with a, an awareness and a sensitivity to higher ed culture. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a famous saying, I think it was one of IBM's uh, former uh, CEOs, it may have been Lou, Palmasano, uh, Lou Gerstner or Sam Palmasano, one of the two, said, I had to embrace the culture to change the culture. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we think about at Deloitte all the time, is that we can't just bring, you know, a, uh, a public-private partnership uh, leading practice from government into higher ed and expect it to just work without uh, some nuance, without mm-hmm. some thoughtfulness to how it is applied in a higher education context. Well, you know, one of the areas of technology that is written about extensively in the business literature, but higher ed's not immune, is is artificial intelligence. And, you know, there's um, lots of companies uh, trying to be out in front and um, help developing AI tools and deploying them to, to their competitive advantage. Um, are you seeing, or what are you seeing in higher ed with regards to the, um, the emergence of AI? Because I know certainly here at Georgia State, uh, we've embraced AI in a number of areas and uh, have been an early adopter in some cases, or an early deployer, really, of AI, and particularly chatbots in our environment, where you look up the street at Georgia Tech, where they've used AI for teaching assistants. Yes. And, uh, the um, the famous Joe Watson. Um, you know, <laughs> who, who was who was uh, solicited for a date, I believe, by uh, an unknowing... Uh... It's in the TED Talk. Yeah, just, just go to YouTube and look at... The, or go to anywhere you can get TED Talks and look right. at the TED Talk on right. Joe Watson at Georgia Tech. But are, um, you know, as, as you look at the higher ed practice at Deloitte and you, you know, drawing from other parts, other areas of business, as well as what clients are asking for, uh, do you see some particular themes in AI um, for, for higher ed at this point? Well, first of all, I think uh, AI has, is, is dangerously getting close to the same problem that the cloud moniker has, which is everything is being slapped with an AI label. I need it. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> right, I need it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's uh, that hype cycle. I think we're still climbing the, the, the left side of that curve. But, but in, 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 uh, in practice, uh, where higher ed seems to be uh, doing the most uh, with AI is in a pretty uh, pedestrian arena, but still one that has significant potential for, um, for gains. And that is in automating processes that uh, human beings have been doing manually for many years that, uh, first of all, you know, it's not very efficient from a productivity perspective, but it oftentimes uh, introduces a lot of um, a lot of error. And and, and, um, and, and in some areas, those errors can be very costly. Financial aid is a good example of that, where I think there's a lot of headroom uh, for uh, the introduction of of, uh, artificial intelligence to automate some of those processes. Uh, you mentioned some of the more advanced um, uh, use cases like, you know, uh, inserting uh, robots in the places of, uh, of teaching assistants, uh, chatbots for students to answer routine questions. Uh, you know, I, I applaud uh, you for what you're doing here. I don't think it's as common uh, as, it, as it should be. Um, but as with many things in higher education, once the momentum gets started, you tend to see a bit of a a, a, a herd movement. And I think, you know, as I said, with the process automation, that is becoming quite common. Um, we, we've, we've, we're automating uh, HR processes using, using uh, bots. We're, we're automating some student, uh, student system processes, some financial aid processes with, 
with uh, with bots, and I think the the there's a lot a lot of other areas where that that could be applied. Well, that's certainly you know, the um, the line that I use frequently is anything that can be routinized will be automated. Yes. Um, and in particular, if it's if it's going to re- use bots or artificial intelligence, it's going to require a massive amount of data. The, the, the bots have to be trained, they have to learn, they have to be adaptive, and you need massive amounts of data. So any routine process that produces and manages a lot of information will be, I think, ripe for uh, the deployment of artificial intelligence technologies yes. and bots yep. in the future. No, no doubt about it. And I think there's um, there's some more advanced use cases that uh, that that get into some uh, areas that the vendor community in the in, in, in this space haven't quite perfected. But I think that we're not too far away from a day when um, AI will be used to help guide a student through uh, a registration process mm-hmm. uh, and not just in a, you know, this class is full, you're on a waiting mm-hmm. list, but actually thoughtfully guiding them uh, using uh, technology that will help them make better decisions about mm-hmm. um, uh, what what uh, uh, pathway they should be taking from a course of study. Uh, I think there'll be, uh, there'll be automation around helping them make better financial aid decisions. That's an area where, as an industry, I think we've got a lot of, of work to do. Um, so I think there's it's not just going to be about uh, automating some of these rather pedestrian, mundane back office processes. We can really use this in a way to help students, and that's really what what I mean, what it all comes down to. Well, I think it's really it's, it's the area of coaching, and there have been predictions already that um, bots AI will replace executive coaches. I mean, there's a lot of executives, a lot of mid level managers aspiring to climb the leadership ladder, you know, who hire coaches and. The belief is because the questions and the topics tend to be the same time and time again, uh, that AI tools will be developed there. And so it's whether it's what courses to take, which financial aid decisions to make, or for employees making decisions about you know, a, a variety of areas where the same questions get asked time and time again is just an area that's ripe. So uh, your answer doesn't surprise me. It's just, you know, it's, it's all a question of time because Um, I'm old enough to remember when I graduated college 39 years ago that I was told that not to become a computer programmer uh, because that artificial intelligence would put me out of a job early in my career. Um, (laughs) We're not quite there after 39 years, but the prediction's still being made. Well, I, I, you know, I'm I'm starting to show my age a bit because I, I, you know, if I were to rewind the tapes on myself 20 years ago, I would probably be shocked to hear my 53-year-old self saying this today. But I think we've also got to be very, very careful about uh, ethics and bias issues creeping yep. into AI. That's something that we need to spend more time on. Um, yeah, there, there's certainly a lot of discussion, a lot of written, a lot of meetings, a lot of conferences, and I expect this is an area where uh, some of our colleagues in the humanities are going to be front and center in these conversations. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Terrific. Well, Cole, it's been terrific having you on. Really appreciate it, and um, look forward to following the work that you're doing, and I know that from time to time we get to work together on some things. So. <laughs> It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Mark. And this has been Conversations with Mark Becker, a podcast produced by Georgia State University. And you've been listening to a conversation with Cole Clark. To hear future conversations with leaders who are helping shape the future of higher education, you will find Conversations with Mark Becker anywhere where you get your podcast. Thank you again for listening. And please remember to subscribe so that you don't miss a single future podcast.